Welcome to How I Did It, where Coda's philanthropy and social capital team find out how successful leaders do what they do in the world of philanthropy and social leadership. Well, this is the first time I've recorded a podcast with two people at the same time. Two really interesting young men who founded the world's first mobile laundry for people experiencing homelessness. It's Nick Marchesi and Lucas Patchett. I really enjoyed this conversation because both of them have achieved a lot and they are also very open about the mistakes they've made along the way and happy to share all the learnings that they've had as well as all the achievements that they have under their belt already. Hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Nick and Lucas, welcome. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, no, very good to have you. This is the first time I've tried to interview two people, and um, from the conversation we've had already before we started recording, I can see it might be might be a bit a bit feisty. So that that's great. Um, look for those people who aren't aware of Orange Sky. Um, tell us what you're about. Absolutely. So Nick and I um, were lucky enough to go to school up here in Brisbane, and our school ran a food van. So at a, a really early age, we had our eyes open to, to homelessness and what um, homelessness was all about. And as a 15 year old, I think having an experience where um, a kilometre from where we went to school every day, there's, you know, 50, 60 people who were doing it tough and, and grabbing a feed. So that really sparked a bit of curiosity for both Nick and I um, at high school and um, kind of left that as we left school and went into work and, and uni full time. And um, then one day we came together sort of serendipitously after a bit of travel overseas for myself and um, we're throwing ideas around and, and sort of thought, well, how cool would it be to re-engage um, that thing that we used to do and being at school and, and um, supporting people doing it tough. But how cool would it be if we could do something a little bit different as well? So um, throw ideas around and land on this idea of, of chucking washing machines in the back of a van and driving around and washing and drying clothes for people for free with a simple aim of wanting to improve the hygiene standards for people experiencing homelessness. And um, very quickly, after building the van, convincing a company to give us a couple of machines, we hit the streets and realised there was much more than that. It was around bringing people together, having conversations and, and really connecting people through through those conversations. So that simple idea um, six and a half years ago has now grown into 33 services across Australia, New Zealand, a couple of thousand volunteers washing, drying, over a thousand loads of washing every week and um, upwards of 150 um, safe hot showers for people. But, but most importantly, um, over 1,300 hours of conversation take place between you know, people who are doing it tough on, on our vans and someone who might be volunteering and have an orange sky shirt on. So it's a yeah, pretty, pretty cool thing that this little idea has sort of grown into something that now helps thousands of people every week. That's amazing. Uh, the emphasis obviously partly was down to that experience at school, but, you know, not everyone then goes on to do something. Was there anything else for either of you in your, you know, formative years that that, were, that kind of made you think this is something that you wanted to commit to? Because it's a big commitment as well as a cool idea. Yeah, I think probably we were incredibly naive that we weren't aware of what the commitment would be. And, um, you know, we spoke earlier about um, Orange Sky now being our lives, but at 20, um, it was just something that we were going to do on a, week, on a weekend to help our friends. So um, I guess it was that that really simple idea, which is, hey, we've got some capacity to, to help people. We've got an interest in solving problems. We love hanging out with each other. Um, you know, let's let's give this a, a go as purely as, purely as an experiment. And, um, you know, we discovered all those things along the way, which is now um, shaped where, where Orange Sky is today. Are you glad you did it now? Because you obviously said you felt a bit naive going in with hindsight, but now with, with a, you know, the experience of having done it, you're still, you're still really glad that you went down this path? Oh, I probably wouldn't have done yeah. it with Lucas. <laughs> Beaver to it there, mate. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Look, Lucas, we can always edit, right? I can put you, put you in first next time that happens, okay? Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, but so you, you've obviously learned an awful lot 
along the way. And one of the things that stood out to me when I was lo- looking at um, preparing for this was something that I um, I think is meaningful. I just want to talk to you about it and see if that's the case. You don't talk about homeless people. You talk about people experiencing homelessness. That, to me, is a profound difference, potentially. Um, is that how you see it? And can you tell me why you do talk about people in that way? I think language is so, so important. And, and probably even prior to us making the decision to move away from using the, the word homeless, we um, Nick and I were sitting probably about a week into our operations. We'd you know, built this van. We'd had it all kitted out. Um, just in Nick's, Nick's garage and we'd had a few false starts and broken a few sets of machines and and we're just in this growth phase of saying let's go to as many places around Brisbane where we might be able to do washing and, and try and find washing and every single one we went into um, there was this language around people using the services as clients as customers as patrons as sort of these dehumanized words and, and Nick and I, I remember we're sitting in Nick's kitchen kind of going well you know it's just not doesn't feel right for us we're, we're not sort of clients and customers and and so we came up with the, the word friends and we're like that kind of works and then we you know the the training things that we put up in every training is we're not fans of the c word but we love the f word and, and um so really friends is something that's so entrenched in our culture um for, for all of our volunteers they might not know you know the mission statement or the values or anything but they know the word friends and i think that sort of transcends that sometimes because it's really about humanizing people and so the specific on the homelessness example is that um, homelessness is a temporary state of being anyone is you know mm-hmm. just because you're um, without a home for a certain period of time doesn't make you homeless it makes you experiencing homelessness and, and i think just that simple language around um, friends around um, experiencing homelessness is not permanently labeling someone who you know, might be doing it tough and then having a tough time um, as always kind of the homeless guy or the homeless lady um, sort of thing so it's yeah i think those those simple um, subtle language choices I think are so are, are really important for us and, and definitely um, didn't put a huge amount of science into it. It was, it was definitely a gut a gut kind of a build check um, when we sort of come out with it. But now it's a, a massive part of our culture. And um, you must have you must have learned a lot. And maybe that process by the sound of it started at school. Learn a lot about the circumstances that lead people into a situation where they're without a home, you know, temporarily. Um, and I think. There'd be probably quite a few people out there um, who haven't had that experience. What have you learned about the things that lead to uh, a situation where someone's without a home? And what what are the other insights that you you might share? Yeah, I think, you know, we we spoke about naivety earlier. And, you know, when Lucas and I started Orange Sky, we were naive to what we were doing. And um, we were also naive to... Um, what homelessness is in Australia. Um, By paper, 116,000 people are out there doing it tough. It means that one in 200 people don't have a safe place to call home. Um, The highest rate of emerging homelessness is women over 55. And I think growing up in a metro city in Brisbane, um, the stereotypes and stigmas that we had um, come to in our head um, were completely wrong. And I think that that's something that um, is continually evolving is that there is no one state or one uh, persona or one story for uh, where someone comes into contact with with Orange Sky. And um, I think that's the the beautiful thing to reflect on is that, um, you know, what Orange Sky is based on is um, people from all walks of life coming together, putting some washing on and sitting down and, and having a chat. And I think that, um, you know, the people that have washing in the machines aren't um, alone in being lonely or isolated or doing it tough. Um, you know, if uh, the last 12 months has taught us anything is that we've all struggled with hygiene and human connection and, um, you know, volunteers are out there who 
um, potentially don't talk to other people throughout the week, but volunteering out on a orange sky shift, you know, positively connects them with the community. So I think every day, you know, those um, uh, stereotypes and stigmas are, are completely, um, completely challenged. And I think that that's something that that is really unique to stay connected to is that, um, you know, yes, there are um, populations of people that frequent our service that might be um, having a common theme uh, throughout uh, their their current stage of their existence. But I think that's for for me is that, you know, we haven't found the the one um, the one pathway to homelessness. So we haven't found the one cure to, to homelessness. What we've found is that um, we've learned more about the complexities of, of human life. And I think that that's something that um, we're not scared by. We really um, know that the way that we find out how we operate is by sitting down and having a chat. And we're really excited to to embrace that um, complexity and, and embrace that opportunity to find a connection in that complexity. Yeah, and the, even though there's complexity, the, the, the common denominators of humanity and um, engaging with people, you know, as, as two humans really comes through in, in um, your work. I um, reminded us of something up on LinkedIn recently with Graham Long, from, who was at the Wayside Chapel, who talked about uh, how um, the people that they interacted with were not customers. Uh, you know, there the, were the power imbalances in a lot of the terminology. Um, and he talked about ultimately how he's not there to solve a problem. He's not there to fix you. He's there to meet you. And I, I think that's simple but incredibly powerful. And the other thing I'm reminded of is Beck Scott. I did a podcast with Beck Scott from Street. And she, you know, you can say, well, what they do is you know, coffee and you can talk about the model. But essentially, the thing I, I took from it that was profound was the idea that people have a sense of belonging. And if you can offer them that sense of belonging and, and have a community and a conversation and really meet people, then that um, that can be enormously value, valuable. And it seems to me to be at the heart, heart of what you do. You know, you measure your conversations by the hour, right? And report on that almost as, as, as an impact measure. Tell me a little bit more about why that's so important. I think um, what we're... Um, what I tell you is built on is those conversation hours and, and volunteers being empowered to go into communities and, and support people. And, and like Nick said, when the washing's on, there's not much to do. So you, you sit around having a yarn and, and I think blowing out those stereotypes or stigmas around what those conversations would be like is um, something that we do, again, in, in training sessions of saying, turn to the person next to you, have a conversation and the room erupts into, you know, how's the weekend and what's happening in the footy and the weather and, and I suppose any um, conversation topic that helps you find that connection, which then um, leads to, you know, can lead to so many things if it's friendships, if it's an introduction to someone who might be able to help with you know, whatever challenge someone's going through. I think um, it all seeds from a, a conversation. I think sometimes we can forget that and we can almost disconnect from that in, in such a you know, digitally charged world. And, and I think I know I was out in shift last night and, and spending time just you know, a couple of hours in the sunshine, no phone, no device, and just connecting with people is a pretty magic, magic thing. So to be able to do that um, and, and empower volunteers to do that every um, every day is pretty special. It's funny because I'd, I'd written down my little briefing notes and I usually scribble on top and it said, um, you know, what's the magic? And I think that's a big part of the magic, isn't it? And it's interesting to me because it's not as scientific as an approach as we see in a lot of um, parts of the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. But there's a there's a re, the authenticity of the connection uh, just may lead you somewhere really interesting and do really positive things and it's limitless really isn't it I suppose the potential that comes from that is that, is that how you see it or am I am I close? 
Yeah, and, and I think sometimes, you know, we've tried to overcomplicate it. And um, what we realize is that the uniqueness of Orange Sky is just that it's um, time uh, through connection. And, um, you know, what we always talk about at Orange Sky is how do we add layers of value uh, to the two two people sitting down having a chat on an orange chair. And, um, you know, we, we're proud of how we've innovated around moving from laundry to showers to our work in remote Indigenous communities to scaling it across different geographies. But um, what it comes back to is two humans uh, or multiple humans sitting down and, and having a chat. And, um, you know, even the the complexity of trying to work out, you know, what's the, the best volunteer or, or the best way to service a friend. And um, we've been completely, um, you know, um, uh, proven wrong for what that could look like. You know, we've had, uh, we used to talk about volunteers needing to be um, extroverted and, and comfortable and going out there in their own community. And we've seen volunteers absolutely come out of their shell and find ways to grow their um, abilities to to be put in uncomfortable spots. And, you know, we've seen um, locations where we thought we'd never have a van, um, you know, continually fill washing machines week on week. So, um, you know, what it, what it does come back to is, is that simplicity of, of human connection, but also, um, you know, reminding ourselves that those, um, uh, us as individuals are complex. And with that comes some, some challenges. And um, we've never been afraid to um, lean into them and, and know that we are playing in, in complex environments. Yeah, look, I mean, you've achieved a lot. 2016 as well, you, you were uh, recognised for your work um, by being named as Young Australians of the Year. And, you know, you've, you've expanded what you've done um, and, and it, it's a fantastic story. Uh, but it can't have been all, you know, easy along the way. Um, what have you encountered that, you know, represents a real challenge? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, these, these stories sometimes get glossed over, definitely, and we always talk about challenge being part of our DNA and those challenges have evolved, you know, over time from when we first started, you know, right at the head, it was people saying, you guys are crazy. Washing machines won't work in a van. No one's going to use it. There's a reason no one's done this. And then we overcame that challenge and, and um, again, hiccups along the way. We, we broke, you know, two sets of washing machines before we got our um, sort of final prototype working. And then it was saying, well, how do you post that? It was saying, well, how do you, make this sustainable without you and Lucas, you and Nick um, being a part of it every day and volunteering. So we had to build a volunteer model that then enabled Brisbane by itself to operate and without us. And then uh, it was, okay, well, we've got some funding for another van and we headed down to Melbourne and had the same challenges. How do you go into a community, build up a service within a month and leave it and leave the keys with you know, some of the lead volunteers down there and then say, well, off you go kind of thing. And it was a, a pretty racking thing, leaving this brand new you know, van that we just paid you know, spent over $100,000 on getting this van on the road and then handing it over to some people we'd met a couple of weeks before and say, saying off you go to then being back in Brisbane and saying, is this van actually going out? Is it helping people? Are there any incidents happening? Like what volunteers are going out? Are they being safe? Like all these questions that we had to answer and um, overcoming that through the use of technology. And, and then I think the challenges have continued to evolve to you know, how do you scale um, to to have vans all around the country and operating nearly all hours of the day across Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe maybe Nick, one for you. Um, the skills you need and the capabilities you need to first of all get out on the road. You know, once you've got your ID, you know, include things like being able to drive a van and operate a washing machine, uh, and maybe talk talk to people in a way. But you would have had to um, become good at doing a variety of very different things as you start to expand and evolve, right? 
uh, I'm interested in um, what some of the challenges were there, and and how you think you've how you think you've benefited from that, and uh, uh, and and maybe maybe have a crack at that one. Yeah, I think you you um, identified three things that that you need that we needed to operate, which was to to drive a van, to know how to use a washing machine, and know how to talk. And and Lucas and I were terrible at all three of those things. So I can remember coming home one day and saying. You know, Mum, Luke's and I are going to start this this free mobile laundry, and and she said, Nick, how about you start washing your own clothes? And um, you know, the the first van we picked up had red P plates on board, and um, it had a brand new wrap, and and we took a corner too early, and um, you know, I had to have a bit of a chat with Lucas about how I'd scratch some of his um, brand new vinyl decals. So, you know, I, I think something that um, you know, Lucas and I couldn't be any more um, different in some of our um, skills and abilities. Lucas was at the top of the class and um, my dot probably wasn't on the, the report paper. So um, I think that, you know, what what excites us is that um, just like we work with diverse people every day um, now, um, when we started our, our skills and um, abilities were, were incredibly diverse, but there were some really strong connection points around um, wanting to help people and, and wanting to have fun and um, wanting to, to solve problems and um, you know and another one that shows up which I think is particularly important for for this point is that you know we we really loved learning and we weren't going in there saying that we all had all the answers and we don't go out there now and say that we have all the answers we're um, incredibly curious and, and committed to um, you know exploring and discovering and, and listening and, and understanding and we hope that along the way we pick up a solution or two that might be um you know the the best that that we can do so um you know from a skills and, and abilities uh, approach i think that you know um like lucas said the the best solutions or the most complex problems haven't been solved by lucas and i they've been solved by our remarkable donors that um fund our service or our remarkable supporters that bring us their incredible wealth of knowledge and inspire us to do more or it comes from our friends and in, in showing up every day and, and the strength that they they give us you know all of those things i think uh what um what helps us get us to to where we are today and i think that that's something that um i hope we never take for granted is that you know orange sky is built on on trust and human connection and um that trust is um so generously given to us whether it be the trust of people's time and wanting to help us solve a problem or um, the trust of someone's only possessions in in their life so i hope that we can uh you know we're, we're fortunate with that um at the moment and i hope that we can continue to cultivate it and, and never take it for granted one group that's there to add to that list um that's there to help you push you challenge you um is the board you obviously that you know that first time you went around that corner um you you weren't having to report back to a board about the damage to the company asset but um you know you've got one now and how has that process been because the boards can be very helpful um of course and um, very useful in a number of other ways but once you bring other people in particularly in a position um, of influence uh, and accountability like that number of people who've started organizations small and grown have hit kind of control issues either they're find it hard to give up the control or they feel that other people are trying to take control mission creep can come in because other people have got different ideas and it's not necessarily your idea it can go either way is what i'm saying how um without trying to throw you under the uh, i should say the van not the bus shouldn't i even the board members may be listening what what can you say about the experience of having to go through that process of building and working with a board 
Yeah, it's it's such an interesting one. You know, we we had a board from from day one, um, and oh, you, um, okay. you know, it was like going home and telling our, our parents that we'd crash the car because um, both Lucas and I's mums were were the founding board members um, and a few of our mates. So, um, right. you know, I think that's something we've taken very seriously from from day one is that you know Orange Sky is far from from Nick and Lucas, and mm. um, you know, no one owns Orange Sky, and and no one will. Um, ever be solely responsible for for Orange Sky. It's a collective group of people. So I think even though we have the um, privilege of of leading Orange Sky and and you know being titled uh, what we are, um, I think also um, we're incredibly um, uh, thankful and incredibly aware of um, the the responsibility, but also the contribution that that people make. And I think that um, you know the contribution of our board has been um, profoundly impactful from from day one. So. You know, when when we started, it was um, our our mothers. Um, it was one of our mates from high school who had a, a good interest and a good um, skill set in managing volunteers. We had the the laundry expert who had donated us um, all the washing machines and had run a national service. And um, it was a chemical engineer. And then we brought some a mentor in that uh, was really good at um, high growth um, sales technology companies mm. and um, really helped us start to to scale to. Um, probably the the fourth iteration of our board, which we are today, with um, you know an incredibly strong chair, um, incredibly strong um, uh, leaders um, of of certain functions that um, we could never have dreamed back in 20, uh, 2014 of having people of that caliber on our board. And I think that's something that we're really proud of is that our board know that they're not going to be there um, holding the accolades or holding the responsibilities forever um, because Orange Sky is continually evolving and growing. And um, we're thankful that the board, um, like our volunteers or like our donors, show up uh, when we need them and also know that, um, you know, if the time's right and there's someone else that could be having an impact, that they would um, make that space available. And, um, you know, Lucas, through, through his leadership, has done a, a remarkable job at, at curating and, and supporting and, and leading that board. And, um, yeah, it's something that we're, we're very thankful for uh, to, to have within our organisation. You need to be careful there, Nick. You're starting to sound like you're being really nice to Lucas. He is my he is my boss, David. So I got to be uh, I got to be on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you think back so far, what do you think you've done? Not necessarily the best experience, but the best decisions. What 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 are the really good, important decisions that you took? At, you know, critical points that have made a difference. I think a big one that jumps to mind, and and it was based off what you and Nick were briefly chatting about before, is um, us determining and deciding and being I think quite clear with when we're starting to reach our capacity or, or our capability limits and that you know we often laugh about I, I did our first ever cash flow um, at our own sky sort of six and a bit years ago and started looking at that but then seeing bringing people in who are way more qualified way more um, skilled way more um, technically able to, to take over that and grow it and you know we've done a version of every role that exists at Orange Sky, be it volunteer or staff or you know, even board board role. And, and the great joy, I think, in having been on this journey is, is now seeing some of those things that we kind of planted the seed with now grow and blow, blossom into a, a big tree and, and something with, you know, that someone's really taking care and love and ownership of. To um, That's everything from our storytelling to um, some of our fundraising work to our operations and our volunteer model. And, and there's thousands of different different examples, I think, where we started it and we um, might have made a few tweaks at the start, but then said, well, 
actually we're not the best people to be doing this so how do we get some support um, from a partner or from a staff member or from a, a volunteer to, to help level it up and, and take it to the next level so i think acknowledging when we're hitting our capability um, limit and then um, not being afraid to ask for help i think is something that is something that nick and i are both really really passionate about in that we don't want to be arrogant we don't want to be um, you know, say we know the best way when, when potentially there's other people who know much better than us and can help us, you know, skip over some of those challenges you might face if you, you go it alone. Anything you'd add to that, Nick? Um, I, I think, you know, just giving it a go. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, is um, we talk about all the time is that, you know, people say, oh, how'd you guys come up with this idea? And um, I think all of us have ideas, but I think something that, that I'm really proud of is that, you know, we just we just gave it a go. And I think that, um, you know, Lucas talks about, um, or just spoke about that orange sky being a tree, having um, so many, you know, beautiful branches and, and the shade that it, it casts is now much bigger than the seed that we planted. Um, but just giving um, something, um, you know, a, a go was, was something that, um, you know, at the time um, we didn't have any mortgages, we didn't have any kids, we um, had some flexibility and it was really easy for us to, um, you know, give a couple of weeks and, and a couple of years to, um, you know, this 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 project and, and you know, we're incredibly grateful for um, the the massive impact it's had on, on our lives and, and what we've learned along the way. And, um, you know, another mentor really talks about, um, you know, you can't do anything significant in less than 10 years. And I think he gave us that, you um, that feedback almost in our fourth year and um you know as, as someone that um likes doing the the new shiny things and likes um jumping from project to project that was something that was quite scary and, and orange sky is um you know turning seven this year and i think that that's something that um we're, we're really excited by the prospect of is that um you know we hope that orange sky is around for more than 10 years and we hope that orange sky is around for for more uh than, than lucas and i can ever contribute and i think that that's something that um, is being baked into our, our DNA from a from an early stage. I think I'm not 100 sure. But I think Bill Gates said you under you, you um, overestimate what you can do in two years, and you underestimate what you can do in ten. Right, and obviously you're you're on the journey to ten. So it'll be really interesting to see what you know what you've done and where you're at in ten years when you turn around and look back on that. But I, I, I'm getting the sense that you derive a you know a big sense of personal um, satisfaction from 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 you know a life and work that um, involves a lot of purpose. So there's a personal satisfaction that comes from that. What would you say you're most satisfied by when you think about what you've done in a mission-related sense? So not, not what comes back to you personally, but what you've done through through this, um, you know, this work. Yeah, it's a, a big, big question. I think um, so, so much um, to, to look back on and be really proud of. I think the fact that, um, Probably one of the one of the things I'm really um, passionate about, and think that Orange Sky has been a leader in the space, is how do we start to actually change the conversation around homelessness, and how do people destigmatize and de-stereotype some of these things that have been ingrained in them for years and years and years? So how do we share stories of the people like Nick shared that you know are in that women over 55 bracket that are, don't have a nest egg and have been forced out of the home for for whatever um, reasons, and, and mm. now find themselves sleeping in the streets or in a car and, and using our service and engaging with one of our amazing volunteers. How do you start to shift the narrative and shift the conversation around that? I think there's still a long way to go and, and people are, you know, all in different stages of, of that funnel, but hopefully Orange Sky has played a part of that. And I think looking at um, what I'm so proud of is now the fact that every week around Australia, 200 times a van gets picked up, a volunteer takes it and provides impact for people 
on the streets and that's you know nick and i can't be in 200 spots at once and, and there's now this um incredible community of people that um support that there's a incredible community of people that trust us with their only possessions in the world and there's an amazing community of people that um, support that financially to actually enable that to happen which um so that magic of marrying up all three of those different groups i think we find ourselves it all between our donors our, our um, volunteers and our friends and and if we can um, connect all those three i think that's a really cool thing because you get that almost network effect of, of more mm. and more people impacted and more and more people um, supported and more and more people who feel connected so now to the flip side um the flip the flip side of that that conversation we just had is when you if, if i'm going to ask you to be as honest as you can be really and candid um when you think back about decisions you've made or things you did or did not do um what do you think let me put it this way what did you learn the most from um what, what did you get the biggest lesson from in terms of you know experience that was you know less than exciting yeah i, I think that you know what Lokes and i um thrive in that that challenge so it's definitely something that um you know we're, we're constantly um trying to reflect and, and learn on i think that you know some of the mistakes that we've made is um, you know, uh, or and, and the lessons we've learned are from uh, where we've made poor choices. And, you know, even yesterday I was talking to one of our team members and, um, you know, maybe it's a, a cop out, but, um, you know, knowing that we are going to make wrong calls and, and that's going to um, hopefully continue to make Orange Sky stronger, but also we need to um, respect the the privilege and the the risk it is in in making decisions is is hard. So you know in the in the early days, um, our access to capital and our access to resource meant that you know we made decisions that um, you know put us in really difficult spots. I can uh, remember the excitement of getting people to pay for a van and um you know we'd then go and build it and then we after a couple of years realized that there's all these vans out there that people were incredibly happy to give us money to pay for the um the van to be built but there was no one out there to pay for the operational costs of it mm -hmm. and um you know there's some some scary spreadsheets that were were thrown around about how do we you know fund these vans now that we've gone out and been sort of um incredibly ambitious to to build it uh through to um you know growing a team and you know lucas and i uh were, were best friends and, and still are um incredible mates and um i think that you know we it was easy for us to be committed to the cause but how do we create a movement of people around that cause and um you know being very clear with our, our mission and our vision and our principles is something that um you know has taken us um a, a, a period of time to to distill and we're um constantly evolving that and i think that that's something that you know articulating um the journey we've been on inspiring people to be connected to it um having some really hard conversations about things that um we don't feel right about um and really leaning into them have been um, massive learning points for us and whether that be with each other and and um you know having some of those really important tough chats or not having them and getting down a path where we we were off track or um that with our team or that with our supporters um is is probably where um where the the most challenges has been and um you know openly acknowledging that we have let people down and um mm. that that is something that you know we we don't gloss over however it's something that um we really lean into and and try and learn as much as we can from yeah lucas anything you want to add on, on that I, th I think thinking through like some of the big lessons like one of my key values is learning so i um often think that question around do you have any regrets or is there anything you'd like to change and, and i think you know it's a really tough one to answer in that you know the times you learn the most i think is when you make the biggest stuff ups so it's um trying to balance that I think, um, like Nick said, I've 
um, had lots of challenges and, and let people down and, and, and met, you know, lots of um, different roadblocks along the way. But that's really, I think, a motivation and, and, uh, and uh, um, the fuel to keep us learning and growing. So I think probably one thing which I've been reflecting on a lot is how we've been able to start to flip from being 100% reactive to more proactive. And I think that sits across everything in terms of people supporting us financially or with challenges with like volunteers or that happen out and shift or vehicle incidents or, or whatever it might be. Um, I think the the more runs on the board you have, the um, ability to start looking further forward and being proactive, I think has been one of the, the biggest um, parts. But in those early days, it's it's almost impossible to be proactive in just trying to keep things going and, and keep keep bands out there and keep them and different things like that. So yeah, I think that flip from proactivity to uh, reactivity to proactivity rather has, has been a, a really awesome one to be a, a part of over the last sort of 12, 18 months. You deal with a lot of people who have to be resilient and I assume you've had to be resilient yourselves. You, now, you've said you like a challenge, but still that doesn't mean you're immune from, um, you know, from feeling fear or feeling overwhelmed out of your depth. Uh, and I'm sure you've needed resilience and seen the need for it. So what, just talk about resilience for a second, what it means to you and what, and what you've learned about resilience since you've been doing this. Maybe I'll, I'll start start with you, Nick. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, we've, uh, we set out our own scale when we are 20 and, um, you know, we're incredibly grateful for um, the, the challenge and um, opportunity that um, we've we've gone through. And, and I think, um, you know, there've been some incredibly tough times um, at, at Orange Sky, but, um, what has got through that um, is those um, beautiful connections, whether that be uh, through our supporters or our, our donors or, or our friends or uh, through having your, your best mate by your side and, um, you know, both being in a situation which is like, how did we get to here and, and what do we what do we do? And I think what um, what resilience means to me is, is really that. Um, empathy and understanding that comes through, um, you know, sharing a, a challenge and, and really coming around that challenge and knowing that um, just because one day I might like solving a problem doesn't mean that I need to show up time and time and time again and have all the answers. And um, I think that that's something that gives me a lot of confidence is that, um, you know, there are there have been some um, problems that I have solved. Um, however, I'm not always going to be the the one to solve them. And um, I think a, a, a situation I always think about uh, with with resilience is that um, most people would think that for an Orange Sky volunteer, their role is to rock up and to make someone's day better, whether that be through washing clothes or, or having a chat. And um, I can I know that I've rocked up to Orange Sky shifts and I've been having a really bad day and I've been really struggling and um, I've almost been worried to rock up because of the weight of helping other people was just um, too much. And I know I've left those shifts and the people that I've spoken to, the friends that have been around have actually helped me. And I think that that's something that is really important and uh, to consider is that, um, you know, resilience is sometimes within us, but I think it's um, most within the people that we surround ourselves by and, um, you know, building a, a place for that resilience to be exchanged, I think is something that um, is, is really special and is something that I, I'm constantly fascinated by is that how does Orange Sky, how do I in my personal life, how does um, our team, how do we continue to build those spaces that um, resilience is um, scaled beyond um, what only one person could achieve? Fantastic. Thanks. Lucas? Yeah, I think building on that, it's, it's about that commu community that you have. And uh, I think when I think about my journey at Orange Sky, that community starts with, you know, working alongside Nick. And I think a lot of blessings in just having a co-founder that shares the same 
has shared the same pain and the same highs and the same lows and, and you have that um, empathy that I think is so hard for a lot of people to understand. I think um, that community then extends to our volunteers and, and like I said, um, how they can lift you up or how you can just be mind blown that someone who is a mum of five kids or who's a you know high court judge or who's a doctor or who's a uni student or who's come from all walks of life um, would give up a couple of hours a fortnight to to chuck on an orange sky shirt and go out go out and support people if it's you know, seeing someone jump out of a shower with a big smile on their face and and say that you know that simple luxury that a lot of us take for granted that we have a part in delivering that i think that really builds resilience and and i think as well the seeing the support that we get from from donors and supporters around the around the world it's you know here's some of my hard-earned money go deliver this service and i think that responsibility or that ownership and that like we we take that really seriously in terms of delivering that and um and providing that opportunity for people to, to come together so i think my resilience or resilience in general is is the almost the sum of the some of the parts some of the community that you're, you're a part of and, and lucky to be part of an amazing community that that helps um, build that um, up every day and of course what you're doing is creating that community for other people which, yes, is, which is fantastic right uh yeah um so we're going to finish final question uh what's next tell us about the future yeah we're incredibly excited for the future and um i think um you know for for orange sky um, we've never been in a better position to to help people from um, a, a financial or organisational sense, and I think um, we know that the world is really needing of of help right now. So um, you know, to be a part of an organisation that um, mission aligns, uh, and obviously we're biased, but uh, as a potential um, contributor to um, helping the world is something that that we're um, incredibly excited by. Um, at the moment, one of our biggest priorities is to um, increase our impact with our current assets. So um, we're looking over um, the next sort of um, five years to um, tripling our impact. And what that looks like is not adding actually too many more vans or services, is actually increasing our asset utilization. Um, we're looking at growing our services into remote Indigenous communities and looking at um, continuing the work we're doing at um, delivering primary health care and, and sort of um, working with communities to increase um, and eradicate or eradicate things like uh, bed bugs and scabies um, and rheumatic heart disease from communities. Uh, we're looking at increasing our technology to help other not-for-profits and um, sort of sharing what Orange Sky does well um, with the sector and really ho hoping that we can help um, other organisations, whether they be volunteer-led organisations or organisations that have mobile outreach vehicles, better their service through um, really proactive collaboration and um, effective collaboration through um, potentially commercialising those those revenue streams and um, really sort of growing Orange Sky to be um, a, a real leader in, in that space um, into the future is something that um, we're, we're proud of and, and specifically for myself, um, really trying to um, create change within um, what our organisation does does really well now and look at, um, you know, is there anything else that Orange Sky can be doing to, to help more people? And so many people trust us each day with their possessions, with their time, with their um, valuable resource. And um, are there some small tweaks uh, that we can do to um, the the orange chairs to, to derive more impact? And um, that's something that, that's got me, um, you know, smiling out of out of bed every morning and um, something that I'm, I'm really excited to, to be a part of. Wouldn't it be great if we could 
play back the answer you just gave to the 20 year old version of yourself who was about to go out the first time you ever went out you know to, to do what you did uh and uh, see the reaction uh, uh, you know it's come a long way hasn't it um, uh, and i don't know what lucas is doing at the moment luke lucas <laughs> he's probably staring thinking, intently he's probably thinking i've heard this so how do i how do i come up with a better answer than that sort of well i was gonna say you've got a problem there because it's like being on a panel isn't it by the time they get to the end of the road it's all been said so um feel free to feel free to give your own your own personal personal perspective no i think it's like nick said it's just a a real desire and passion to help more people and how do we do it more efficiently and how do we make sure our guys around in some form um for as long as it's needed and supporting people who are who are doing it tough and whatever that might look like in the future and um yeah i think if we can tick off all those boxes then um, we're doing a pretty good job well good on you um i mean you've achieved an enormous amount and uh, whilst you said a couple of times along the way that you know it, it was a fairly easy thing to do it would have also been very easy to not do it and to have done something else right so that's a it's a you know hats off to you and um hopefully um you you know you're around for that 10 year anniversary and and um you're able to have you know significant impact i, I really though lucas just think what you said was significant in your closing words there you want to be around as long as you need it right this isn't about let's hope you're there in 50 years like it might be if you you know started a, a for-profit business really um you know you only want to be there because you're useful and and hopefully the demand for your um for what for what you do will um will reduce over time so i wish you the best of luck in a way like that that old thing with non-profits hopefully you'll you'll be out of business before too long sure. absolutely yeah well done and uh congratulations thanks very much for talking to me today thanks, thanks much. so much That's it for this episode of How I Did It. For more from Coda, visit codacapital.com or email philanthropy at codacapital.com. 